we're going to talk a little bit today about court debt and also some about expungement. But before we get into that, I just wanted to um, make sure we talk a little about the kinds of legal problems that Iowa Legal Aid uh, helps people with and you know how to get in contact with us if you or someone you know is needing help with a legal situation. So our physical office is located on First Avenue. We're open from 8.30 to 4.30, Monday through Friday, and we, we take intakes by um, walk-ins, so people can always come to our office. Um, our phone number's up there. We do intakes by phone between 9 and 11, Monday through Friday, and then between 1.30 and 3.30, Monday, uh, basically Monday through Friday, but not Thursday afternoon. Um, and the, the types of legal problems that we help with are civil legal problems. So we don't do any criminal law. We don't do criminal defense. Um, but we do housing, so eviction defense, if someone's getting evicted, um, Section 8 termination hearings, public benefits, so food assistance cases, unemployment insurance benefits, um, Medicaid waiver terminations. Um, we also do tax. We have a low-income taxpayer clinic, so we help people who maybe have gotten notices from the IRS or the Iowa Department of Revenue saying that they owe um, taxes from past years, and we help people deal with that situation and maybe try to get into collection alternatives or apply for forgiveness of the debt. Um, we also do family law, so divorces, custody cases, um, child support. We, we do a lot of domestic abuse hearings for victims of domestic violence, so people that have applied for a protective order and um, gotten a temporary order and then have their hearing, we represented those. Um, so that's kind of, those are sort of the bread and butter sort of cases that we do. But you know, if you have some legal issue and you're thinking, ah, I don't know, is this something legal aid could help with? It's always worth the call, um, just to see. And you know, the screening process is we would ask you first some information about your household. So how many people live in your household? What's the income for everybody? Um, because we have regulations about you know who qualifies income-wise. And then we'd ask you a little bit about the problem. And if it's some type of problem that we handle, um, and you clear those other hurdles that your income eligible and that we don't have any conflict of interest and it is a type of problem that we handle, then you would talk to a staff attorney about your problem and try and get some advice. And if it was something like you had a hearing coming up, you know, we would see if an attorney could go with you to that hearing. So, and we do, I mean, a lot of these kind of cases, sometimes they come up quick, you know, you, you might call and your eviction hearings next week and, you know, we're able to, we're sort of almost like an emergency room of civil legal problems. So we're used to that. You know, obviously, as much notice as we can get is helpful. Um, but you know, we encourage people to contact us if they have a legal problem that they think might be something that we could help with. And we also we have a website, this um, iowalegalaid.org. And you can do an intake online as well, anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And those, um, you know, there's that collects the information for that first part of the intake about your income and household and that. And then somebody calls you back. So if that's more convenient too, that's that's an option that we have. So first we're going to talk about expungement in Iowa. So in Iowa we have a newer expungement law that says when can a case, a court case that had, you've been involved with be 
sort of removed from the public view. That's essentially what expungement is. It doesn't say that the case didn't happen. It doesn't um, make you suddenly not guilty of something if you were found guilty of something. It's just removing it from the public view. So the types of cases that you might be able to get expunged are um, dismissed criminal cases, deferred criminal cases if you complete the deferment requirements, convictions for prostitution, public intox, or the um, Paula, which is when you're underage and you have possession of alcohol or some juvenile conviction. So those are types of cases that might be able to be expunged, but there are additional questions that need to be answered to figure out if for sure your case could be expunged. We have handouts that are over there on the table. Um, does anyone need one? No? Well, anyway, they are sort of a flow chart of figuring out whether your case could be expunged. It just depends on what kind of case and you go through and answer the questions. So there are certain types of cases that cannot be expunged right now under the Iowa law. One is civil cases. No matter what happened, whether you won or lost a civil case, it cannot be removed from the public view on the court website. There's no way to do that at this time. Most criminal convictions cannot be expunged. So if you're convicted of an OWI, if you're convicted of theft, these things cannot be expunged at all. They're going to sit there. Um, one hurdle to getting a case expunged is court debt. If you owe court debt, you generally cannot get your case expunged. There may be an exception to this, so if you have a case you want to know if you can get expunged or if you just want us to look at your criminal record to see if we can help you out with that, feel free to call us. Um, but court debt can be a big hurdle um, to getting an expungement because even if you have a dismissed case, you might still have court debt. So dealing with that court debt is one step on sort of clearing it from your public record. And it's definitely, um it's definitely sort of complicated, you know, what can be expunged and what can't, and then even if you have something that can be expunged, you know, do you have any court debt related to that? So if, if you or anyone you know is in a situation where you just kind of want a, a legal checkup almost, like to look up your name, see what might be on your record, see if any of that stuff is eligible for expungement, that's definitely um, a kind of service that we provide. And then, you know, if there are things that appear to be expungible, then we would see if we could actually help with that process for you. Um, but sometimes, you know, it might be peace of mind or, you know, just helpful to know, like, of what I have, what can I do about it, you know, and so that, that piece we can help with as well. Um, so court debt, that's, that's probably the bulk of what we're going to talk about today. And the basic definition of court debt is that it's money owed to or through the courts. And so there's, there's different types. It can be civil, criminal, and juvenile. So it can be you know, related to a civil case, a criminal case, a juvenile case. Um, and it can be assessed, and people can have court debt even if they have a criminal case where they ended up getting a deferred judgment, or they were acquitted, or even where they were dismissed. Um, and this is an area where we, we certainly see that poverty and you know, inability to pay the court debt is an aggravating factor. Um, some types of court debt are much more likely to be assessed to a poor person. And we'll kind of talk about that in a, 
um, a few slides from now. But we wanted to, before we get into it a little more, we wanted to sort of give you some different faces of court debt. And these are based on some real cases, um, situations that we've seen Iowans in that have had court debt and sort of what was happening in their life and how they ended up coming to us. Um, so one example um, is a nursing home resident who was hit by a car 15 years ago, let's say, and had a brain injury that left him in a vegetative state. Um, so he was living in a nursing home facility, receiving social security disability because he had had this brain injury, um, you know, had not been able to work and not been able to live independently ever since the accident. Um, but nevertheless, he was threatened with incarceration through his guardian for failing to turn over his entire social security disability check to pay off court debt that was decades old. So <clears throat> this individual you know, received just over $1,000, maybe a month of social security disability, all but like 50 of which went to the nursing home. And basically, they wanted him to pay the 50 that was left on this court debt. And they were, he had received a letter threatening that if he didn't, either him, who remember is you know, in a nursing home in a vegetative state, or his guardian, you know, threatening either of them to go to jail over this. So <clears throat> this was a case where we were able to get involved. We wrote a letter you know, saying, basically, shame on you. He, neither of these people should go to jail over this, um, citing some law. And it was able to get worked out. And he you know, was able to keep that $50 a month for things like you know, shampoo and things that he needed. I mean, it's a very small amount of money left over. Um, another, another situation, um, and this can happen because court debt is linked to the county that it, the case is in. So you can have court debt, you know, out of Johnson County, out of Clinton County, out of Lynn County, and um, different agencies or different people might be trying to collect it. So it gets kind of confusing. But there was a case where an immigrant from the South Pacific um, had ended up paying his court debt twice um, due to multiple agencies collecting the same debt from, mul from him multiple times. Um, another kind of just very sympathetic example, a, a Liberian parent was forced to choose between sending a remittance payment back to Liberia to reduce the chances of her mother contracting Ebola and repaying a court-appointed attorney fee that was established without due process of law. Um, so these are just, there's different, all sorts of permutations of facts that this can manifest in people's lives. Um, but we just wanted to kind of give some individual examples of um, how this has played out for people and kind of the severe choices they've been faced with or kind of crazy things that have happened to them. So when a lot of people talk about court debt, um, they're lumping a bunch of different debts together. They're basically saying everything that's owed to the court or the court is trying to take from me. But it's actually a bunch of different things. Some things are called fines, some things are called fees, and a lot of people use those words interchangeably. Judges do, lawyers do, non-lawyers do. We all do it accidentally. But it's actually important to know the difference between the two and which ones you have, because different rules apply to them, and there may be different solutions depending on what your debt is for. And that's one thing, if you come to us, we can try to figure out we have a way to look through the court records um, with a 
particular subscription to the court records to look to see what exactly your debt is, how many dollars, like $105 for a fine or $105 for a fee, and that matters legally. Um, and along with that, many types of court debt, more so fees, are more related to poverty or being poor than to actually your, being your fault. And that's just the function of what the debts are attached to and when those would come into someone's life. Um, so the, the overall term court debt definitely encompasses more than just fines or restitution. So just to break down some of these terms, fines are punitive in nature, so fines are to punish. Um, and fines, an example of a fine might be like for a traffic offense, um, a fine that you have to pay for a speeding ticket, let's say. Um, restitution is a type of compensation for victims in, in criminal cases where if you know, the person who's found guilty of the crime might be ordered to pay restitution to the victim. Um, as part of that case. Other types of court debt um, include court costs. So that can be a filing fee with the court, the, co the cost of filing an appeal, um, super supervision fees, service fees, fees like when the sheriff has to serve somebody in a case. Um, a big category is indigent defense reimbursement. And, and that has to do with um, the right to an attorney when you're accused of a crime that faces the possibility of jail time and you have either the public defender or um, maybe an attorney off of the court-appointed criminal list appointing, representing you in that criminal case. Um, if you are found to be indigent or poor and unable to pay that public defender or the criminal attorney, you don't have to pay it. But if you are not found to be poor, you do have to pay that money back. And also, if no finding is made about whether or not you are poor, which sometimes happens, then you can have to pay it back, too. And it's a little bit confusing. Just a second. So um, there's actually two parts of this issue. One is whether you're going to get an indigent defense. So when you are um, charged with a crime, oftentimes you will want to ask for a court-appointed attorney. That's trying to get a public defender, right? Because everyone has the right to an attorney when they might go to jail. You fill out a form, and the clerk or the judge, probably the judge, decides whether your income is low enough, whether you get to be appointed this person, right? But that doesn't mean you're getting that person free. You're poor enough to be appointed a public defender. Then after the case is done, the judge is supposed to make a decision when they're assessing the fees at the end of the case, whether or not you are able to pay for the attorney that you got. So they already decided you were poor enough to get a public defender, but at the end, they're going to decide again whether you actually can pay them. So you may be poor, but sort of relatively. How are, are you still able to pay a little bit or not? The judge is the one who makes that decision. Sometimes that doesn't happen. So if you're in a case and that doesn't happen, talk to your criminal attorney about it because later down the road, you might not be able to fight that issue. 
Okay, the judge decides whether or not you're going to be billed for the thousands of dollars that your attorney billed to the state. Does that make sense? So it's two different parts, and the judges are the ones who make the decision. What about spending time in jail? That has additional fees. Jail fees? Yes. Every night you spend in jail costs money. Six months. Yep. And so does the judge consider whether or not that stays? Not that I'm aware of. The only time that I'm aware of that the judge decides whether or not you are going to have to pay it back at all is when you have a public defender. But that's that's an issue that you know that sort of illustrates how much poverty affects this court debt issue because somebody who's charged with a crime but can afford to pay the bail or bond out doesn't have those jail fees because they're not in jail while they're away. You know, but if you can't bond out, then your bill is getting higher just because you can't pay the bail, and so then you have those nightly jail fees. Um, so we kind of have an example that sort of illustrates this. So like what we've been talking about, court debt makes poverty worse because you're trying to pay off your court debt. But also, if you're poor, your court debt's worse because you might be able to not be able to bond out, like Lorraine said. You might spend more time in jail. You might have to have a public defender, and maybe down the road, the judge will decide, okay, you can pay that public defender, and you have another court debt. And we'll talk about how that's different and how that affects you versus paying a private attorney. Um, so like we've been talking about, these are the things that poor people don't owe the state. Or sorry, non-poor people don't owe the state. So poor people might have the indigent defense fees, might have jail fees, okay? And if they, can, if they can't take stuff to trial and they plead out, they might even have more court debt. So, how these things affect people in poverty is sort of why it's an interest to legal aid because our clients are people that are in the, the lower part of the income stream. So that's why poverty is of interest to us because those are our clients. Um, in addition to you maybe having more court debt because you're poor, when there's a fee added onto it, which we'll talk about in a second, that fee is based on a percentage. So it's 25% of your whole fee, which means you owe even more now because it's 25%. Does that make sense? So it is just makes larger and larger balances that can be hard to deal with. And we have a, we have a couple examples that hopefully will make some of this a little clearer. This, these helped me when I was working through this. But they, so the, the first example is, let's say, Person, in, person number one, um, somebody who is not poor enough to qualify for a public defender can afford to hire and pay their own private defense attorney when they're charged with a crime, okay? So they have a fine, um, they do have some court debt, they have a fine of $625, they have some restitution owed to the victim of $30, they have court costs of $180, so all of that adds up to $835. And then there's this 25% fee, um, so it's 25% of the 835 that gets tacked on when the court debt is you know, transferred over to a collection agency or you know, they try to collect on it, so they add that to your bill. But you can see um, in comparison how this can look for somebody who's indigent, is not going to be paying their own private criminal defense attorney 
um, gets court-appointed attorney. So the, the top three are still the same. We have the, the $625 fine, the $30 of restitution owed to the victim, the same $180 of court costs. But then you see on here $1,200 of indigent defense fee. So that's money owed to the public defender because either the judge has determined that that person can afford to pay their public defender or has not made a determination about that in the court case that happened long ago and now there's not really much to do to challenge the fact that there was no determination made. Um, you also see huge amount of jail fees there, so $2,100. Um, this person was not able to afford bail, so for every day they are in jail, $70. Um, so that subtotal is $4,135 instead of 800 something. And then of course when you take 25% of the $4,135, that's a lot more. So now it's up to $5,169. So I think these are powerful examples of kind of breaking down the math, what's happening here and how what's happening relates to poverty. And so now we're going to talk about what might happen if you owe court debt. So these are the negative things that might happen. Um, first is you could be incarcerated. This doesn't happen to everyone, and I don't have numbers, but let's say you're on probation, just a second, and part of your probation is that you have to pay your court fees. You have to pay everything off by a certain date or they'll revoke your probation. Let's say you don't have the money, you can't pay, they revoke your probation, you're in jail. That could happen. You could also be found in contempt of a court order. If a judge said you have to pay this amount, the prosecutor says he hasn't paid, I'll bring him into court, file a contempt against him saying he's not following the court order, and the judge sends you to jail. Those are possible things that could happen. It's not always possible. It's certain types of cases. Uh, but it is always a possibility. Do you have a question? Did you have a that? question? No, I'm too angry. So. Okay. Another thing that Did could. Do you have to do a question? Yes. When you talk about the 30 days, was that out of the verdict or the waiting time? You said 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. They were in jail for 30 days. Is that the verdict? It doesn't matter. I mean, even when you're in jail, even if you are found not guilty, I believe you still owe the money. And it could be. So it doesn't. I mean, in this particular case, this is just a made up example. But, but this is raised an issue. If I have to wait for my court date, mm -hmm. and the court is locked, then I have to wait in jail. Yes. So I have to pay for the court, like a dicecology, but not being promised enough. Yes. Right, so yes. Yeah. Yes. And there's, I mean, there are like rules of criminal procedure about how quickly things have to happen in a criminal case. And but, but the basic thing, like if you, if there's a bail set in your particular case and you can't pay it, then you stay in jail. And so you're right. I mean, you might be paying these jail fees because you're waiting in jail between the time you're charged and the time the next thing happens in your case. It might not be just jail time after you've been convicted. Okay. That's that case, 
and say happened to me. I was in jail. I was waiting my uh, court date for 32 days. And the maximum penalty on my case was 30 days. Mm -hmm. So it was over, over 30 days. They automatically have to be guilty, which I was not guilty. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a it's a difficult system to be in, um, and we're just sort of here to explain how the system works. And yeah, the thing that's tricky too, we're not criminal attorneys. You know, at Legal Aid, we don't practice criminal law, but we're just kind of presenting on the way that. I mean, when you talk about court debt, you're kind of you're going to talk a little bit about the criminal justice system too, just because of the way that some of these fees come up. But you know, if, if anybody who's here today, if if you think you may have court debt that was you know unfair, improperly assessed, is affecting your life negatively now, you can certainly come and do a, an intake with us about it and. Um, you know, it's tough in these presentations. We can't we can't give any advice that's like particular to anybody's situation. But um, but definitely, I mean, if you're that sounds unfair. And if if you want to do an intake on it, I encourage you to contact us. About jail? About no, about, about court, court debt. debt. About if you think you have court debt that resulted from. Well, what about if it's, you said uh, a criminal case? Does that apply to? Traffic at all? Like, what do you mean? Like, do we do traffic cases, or do you mean the fees that come from traffic cases? You can have fees from traffic um, cases, and some of these consequences that I started to talk about can happen due to traffic fees. Not all of them. Going to going to to jail for not paying fees does not happen in every case. That's just an extreme example of something that might happen to someone. So something else um, that could happen is judicial garnishment. So that is where you owe someone money and they go to the court and they try to take money out of your bank account or your paycheck. Now when it's court debt, it's a prosecutor or a collections agency trying to get the money from your paycheck. Um, there are general exemptions in the law for debts. So generally when you owe like the electric company money and they sue you in court and get a judgment, they can't take all of your money at once. And if you have social security disability or if you have SSI or if you, um, have veterans benefits, they're generally not going to be able to take those. And if you have $1,000 or less in your bank account, they shouldn't be able to take that. However, for garnishment and court debt, many of those rules apply, but not necessarily all of them. It's not completely clear in the law, but um, it's likely that if you just have Social Security, they might not be able to take it, but the rules are a little fuzzy. So if that happens to you, that's something you should definitely call us about. If someone's trying to take money from your bank account, from your paycheck, from any of your benefits, that is the prime time to talk to an attorney and we definitely talk to people about that. So we can investigate your situation to see if your situation is happening the way it should under the law. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, one of the other ways that people sometimes realize that they have an issue with court debt is um, they're not able to get the 
sticker that you put on your license plate, your, your tags, your new registration, or they're not able to get a driver's license, um, or their state tax refund gets taken, so they file a, a state of Iowa individual income tax return, and they're, you know, it shows that they should be getting a refund, but that check never comes. Um, so those are sometimes things that like trigger in somebody's life, okay, why did that happen? What's going on? You know, and then they call and then we, we try to look into, okay, what, what's the issue that's holding up the tags or what's yeah. the issue that's holding up their license? And it's not just that you go to renew your license and they say no. You could get a letter in the mail from the Department of Transportation saying, hey, you didn't pay this traffic ticket. If you don't pay it, you don't have a license anymore. So if you get one of those letters, that's something else to not ignore because then if you're driving without a license, that leads to, to more potential crimes. So that's something also to talk to a lawyer about to see what's going on. Well, the lawyer that we're talking to, can we talk to uh, legal aid? Yep. For these types of issues, you can, you can call legal aid. You can call us about your driver's license being revoked or suspended. You can talk to us about court debt problems. We just can't help you if you're in court and you are currently being charged with a crime. We can't help you in that court case. But when you owe debt afterwards and it's affecting other parts of your life, that's where we can come in. And there's um there's a on the Department of Transportation's website there's like a driver's license number lookup tool where you can look up your own driver's license number. I think you have to put in your first and last name and maybe last four of your social and then the number from your license. And it can you know if there's some hold up with your license and you're just not sure what it is, that lookup tool is helpful. We've used that with clients. You know when they're in our office, we'll help them find that and type in the information and it can pull up sort of what some of the issues are. To, it's a way that we investigate, you know, and people can, we can help people do that, but they can also, um, you know, that's on the Department of Transportation's website. And sorry, I don't have the link here, but if you just, even if you just type into Google, Iowa Department of Transportation, and then they have a search function on their website, you can type in like driver's license lookup tool. Yeah, and that's a way you could figure out what exact debts you need to pay or what the exact problem is. Because you may owe court debt in a few things, but maybe only one of them is currently the problem. Then you can sort of prioritize what to do first. So this has some of the other negative consequences of court debt. Um, we talked about how if you owe court debt, the state might take your state tax refund. Um, they can also take vendor payments. So like if you are reimbursed by the state for providing childcare, um, they could take that. They can also take appearance bonds and appeal bonds. So for example, we've seen a case where um, a client lost an eviction hearing filed an appeal and posted the appeal bond in the eviction case to get a stay, won the appeal of the eviction case, um, but even though he won the eviction case, they didn't give him back the appeal bond money that he'd paid, which was like $1,000, um, because he owed court debt, so he didn't get that appeal bond back. So, you know, and that, I think for, for people, sometimes when something like that happens, that might be the first time they're like, well, what, court debt? I owe this, you know, then something happens usually that causes them to realize it and come to us. Um, there's also, what is this next thing? Oh, the, one, of the, one of the powers of the state too is that they can, in addition to, you know, 
holding your driver's license or you know taking away your driver's license they can hold professional licenses as well so if you have a cosmetology license a law license a any sort of license that the state you know licensing people give they can potentially take away too due to court debt there is um an additional process if your driver's license is suspended and you need to drive for work or for medical appointments. Um, it's called a license reinstatement program and there are a number of qualifications um, that you have to meet in your situation, but that's a way that you can sort of get on a payment plan and be driving while you're working on your debt. Um, so it's something to look into if something happens to your driver's license. Um, and then lastly, you can be denied various things because you have court debt. Like we talked about, you might not be able to get expungement. You might not be discharged from probation. You may be stuck on probation longer or you could go to jail because you couldn't pay. Um, if you get a deferred judgment, they have a number of things you have to do, right? And one of those is often you have to pay your court debt. So if you don't pay it, you're not getting, the deferred won't go through. You'll still have that judgment on your record. You could, if you're a felon, you could not get back your voting rights if you're requesting those back. Um, and you could be denied participation in drug court, which is a, a separate kind of court system um, when there are drug charges and there are additional qualifications for that. So these are just some things that are additionally affected if you still owe. <clears throat> And so, um, you know, those last couple slides about these negative consequences, just to bring it back to the example of um, person number one versus person number two. I mean, you think if um, a person who is, is not indigent enough to qualify for a public defender who can afford to pay a private defense attorney, let's say that they hire a private defense attorney for their criminal case, you know, their private defense attorney collects a retainer, keeps a bill, and then that person doesn't pay their attorney fully or at all or whatever. You know, maybe that private attorney sends it to a collection agency, that person gets sued in court, they get a judgment against that person. But then like the that whole situation is just the regular creditor debtor world. So I mean their wages could potentially be garnished, their bank account could be frozen, but that's that's about it. Like they don't have all these extra powers. You know, that person is not gonna have their um, driver's license taken away or you know that person's not going to have these other negative things whereas person number one who is not able to pay the public defender you see how that plays out that then you know that debt is collected through this court debt system that has all these other powers that have these negative influences on people's lives so and and court debt affects communities of color in Iowa um, African Americans in Iowa experience a higher poverty rate, a higher incarceration rate, a higher rate of juvenile court involvement. Um, and so it would make sense, you know, we, ha we don't have the numbers on this yet, but that a higher court debt burden due to all of those factors. And generally court debt doesn't increase over time with interest. So you may have a, that additional 25% at some point, but it doesn't increase interest each year like a credit card does. Yet if you look at this chart, I, court debt in Iowa just keeps going up. 
Um, so you can tell that a lot of Iowans are in debt and are dealing with all of these negative consequences. And um, that's sort of the, the magnitude of the, the problem that we're all trying to face. And there's a lot of, you know, so you, you have this court debt, then you get your you know, your license taken away, you can't drive to your job where you earn the money to pay the court debt, or you, you know, you lose your professional license that allows you to do the job that makes the money that could potentially pay the court debt. So people get caught in these just, you know, terrible sort of catch-22 situations that can sometimes lead them to come, you know, come to us. And um, I feel like, I mean, we've given you a lot of sad statistics and bad news so far. I, there is some things you can do about it, and that's, I'm, I think, if the takeaway point of this is just to please contact us if court debt is affecting your life so that we can do a full assessment of your situation and see what we could do to alleviate some of the bad effects that is happening. You know, so we, it's very much an individualized assessment of people's particular situation with like wh what type of court debt, is it fees or fines or indigent defense reimbursement, what counties is it out of, where in the process is it. Um, so please, please definitely contact us and you know, you can let people know if they're in this situation that that's something we can help with. So there is a basic timeline to, to all of this though, um, which is just helpful to kind of have that framework in your mind. Um, the, the first, so the, the debt is assessed, and then from day zero, you know, the first day after the debt is assessed to like the, the 30th day, the debt stays with the clerk of court in the county where the debt is. Um, but after 30 days, then that debt might go somewhere else. So it, in some counties, it goes to the county attorney's office, and the county attorney um, is in charge with collecting court debt. In other counties, it, it goes to a private collection agency. Um, in Iowa, there's 99 counties, and it's about split, like about, you know, it's about half and half, half county attorneys, half um, private collection agency. And so it's possible if you have court debt in different counties to have different entities that are collecting that debt. So if the county attorney in Johnson County collects the Johnson County court debt and you have court debt in Johnson County, but then you also have court debt in some other county where it goes to the collection agency, you might have you know a county attorney that you were trying to work with and also the collection agency. And the collection agency that the state of Iowa contracts with is, um, is that on the next slide? No. Oh, I'm jumping We'll get ahead. to it in a second. <laughs> we'll tell you the name of it in case, because it's helpful to know if you get a letter. Or... Yeah. So at the beginning, you have to pay the clerk of court if you can pay within those first 30 days. There are um, some caveats to paying the debt. You have to pay it in full to the clerk unless you owe $300 or more. So if you owe um, $295, you have to have $295 to go pay it. Um, if you owe $301, you can try to get on a payment plan with the clerk of court, so you can spread it out over time. But the minimum paint amount per payment is $50. So you'd have to pay like $50 this month and $50 next month and so on. And the clerk of court doesn't have a, a large ability to change those plans. So if you make a plan, try to only make a plan that you can fulfill, that you can pay. Because you might not be able to change it later. 
But after 30 days, if you still owe, that's when the debt moves. So in Iowa, um, almost 50 county attorneys are the debt collectors for the court debt in their counties. And you know those county attorneys have developed their own policies, so that that varies, you know, county to county. Um, yeah, do. Is the amount you pay makes any difference? Does the amount you pay make a difference? I mean, it just depends how quickly you'll pay it off, and it depends what. I mean, I don't know which county attorney has what rule, but a county attorney might also have a minimum. Like, I will only accept fifty dollar minimum. I don't know. Sorry, what? They do accept less than $50. They do have that rule some places? Mm -hmm. it, it just depends. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a, a court debt, again, would go to the either the county attorney or this private collection agency after those first 30 days when it's with the clerk. Um, also, court debt goes to the county attorney if if there's someone in a licensed reinstatement program. Um, and county attorneys have the power to judicially garnish wages and bank accounts, and they can also threaten contempt and bring a contempt action in limited cases for failure to pay. So like in the example of the nursing home resident who was in the vegetative state, there, that case was a case where they were being threatened with contempt. So here's a map of the state of Iowa. The red counties, which includes here in Johnson, are the counties where the county attorney is collecting debt. The gray counties are counties where the private collection agency is collecting debt after the first 30 days. So if you have debt in Johnson County and Lynn County, you have to talk to both of those county attorneys. If you have a debt in Johnson, Lynn, and Cedar County, you have two county attorneys and a private collection agency to deal with, all for the different amounts. So it's important to sort of watch your mail and figure out who's trying to talk to you, um, because all of this could be happening at the same time. It can be a little tricky. And so the private collection agency is called Linebarger, Goggin, Blair, and Sampson, and they're in Texas. So if you get something that says Linebarger on it, or if you get a call from someone saying they're from Linebarger, that's probably what it's about. They will probably, I believe they're sending letters out first, but I'm not for sure if that's still happening. So like with the county attorney, once the debt hasn't been paid for those first 30 days, if you still owe something, that'll go to Linebarger, and they will add that 25% fee. So the 25% additional fee doesn't happen until it goes to them. So if you can get it paid off before, you don't owe as much. Unfortunately, not all of us can pay everything up front. Um, the agency, Linebarger, can also collect through judicial garnishment get your wages and your bank accounts. And they collected over $3 million in 2016. They've only been doing this for the last few years in Iowa. It's a new change here. Um, so these are, these are sort of a summary of the different problems that people face when trying to deal with their court debt. I mean, most obviously, ability to pay. You know, if, if people, 
Um, if you had a debt that was $300 or less and you could just pay it in full in the first 30 days, it would never go to the collection agency, you would never get that extra 25%. Um, you know, obviously this is kind of the crux of the whole problem is the ability to uh, pay. Um, but it can also affect these other things. Um, you know, you can't get certain things, you can't get things expunged until you pay the court debt associated with that case. Um, you, you're not able to get your estate tax refunds. Um, you're, you can be garnished. And again, the federal protections that exist generally, the exemptions for garnishment, we believe still hold true, even if you're, you know, even if the county attorney or this private agency is trying to garnish your wages for court debt. So that's that's good news, and that's something, you know, that you can assert in a motion to quash that Iowa Legal Aid could possibly help you with. You know, that that these protections, um, where if you make below a certain amount per week, they basically can't take your wages at all, um, and then certain things like social security is protected by federal law. So we, we believe all those still apply. Um, you know, I think an issue is, you know, having, being able to come up with a payment plan that is affordable, that people can stay on um, and not default. And, you know, sometimes it's, they just, they can't afford the minimum payment that's being required. And so that makes it really difficult. And if that's the problem, if you've talked to the county attorney and they want $50 a month and you can't do that, call us and see if there's anything we can do, okay? Anything we can do to negotiate with the county attorney to try to find something that would be affordable so you can start trying to get it taken care of. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that involves, and this happens in, in different kinds of situations that we help people with, is basically doing sort of a detailed affidavit of your monthly income and your monthly expenses, and just showing the math that this is how much money comes into the household every month. These are all the basic living necessities, rent, food, utilities, and there's there's nothing after that. You know, there's maybe in the red, or maybe two dollars, or you know. I, and so sometimes um, when when we're able to talk to somebody, we can help them work that up a little bit more, and you know, produce that affidavit or get that information and kind of present it in a in a written way to the whoever the collection person is, and hopefully try to show them that you know the payment plan that is being proposed is not workable. So it comes down to there are two main ways to deal with your court debt. Unfortunately, these are mainly the only two. One is getting to the payment plan. So that's either with the clerk of court, after 30 days, either the Linebarger law firm, collection agency or the county attorney in that county. So working with them to try to get a payment plan set up. You could also owe money to different parts of the state. You could owe child support, that could affect your driver's license. You could owe tax debt and that could be why your your taxes are your tax refund is taken. You could owe DHS money. Um, there are other ways you could owe the state. Um, so if you owe any other agencies, you have to pay them. This is just about court debt, stuff that's owed to the courts. Um, the other thing is bankruptcy. So there are some court debts that might be able to be discharged in bankruptcy, but not all of them. Fines, 
cannot be discharged. Fines are the things that you did something wrong, so you owe a fine. That's something that when we looked at the two different people, it was the same amount for both people because you did the same crime, you're gonna have the same fine. And same with restitution. If you cause the same amount of damage, you're gonna owe that money. Those two things you cannot bankrupt out of. However, you might be able to bankrupt out of that indigent defense fund. So if you had a public defender and the judge decided that you could pay it and you owe it, you might be able to bankrupt out of that and get that to be gone. So again, that's where it depends on what type of debt you have. And we can help you look into exactly what it's for. It's a little hard to find, but we know how to find it. Any other questions? Handles yes. yes. So that's we. That's mainly what we do is civil cases. Um, so, like evictions, family law, public benefits, tax, um, people suing you for money. Yeah. You owing someone money, um, stuff like that. It depends on their status. Um, there, some statuses we can help, some statuses we can't help, and we have some exceptions. So yeah, so un, even if the person has no immigration status at all, is undocumented, if they're a victim of domestic violence, we can help them under an exception. Um, also, sometimes there's situations where the the legal problem or the issue affects um, maybe like a United States citizen child in the household, and sometimes we can put the case in the name of the child. Um, and then, I mean, there's all sorts of sort of different statuses between United States citizen and undocumented, and the, and we have this flow chart about you know diff if you have a student visa or if you are you know have a pending asylum application or if you have a pending I-130, you know, so we always encourage people call us and we'll, we'll find out, you know, what your immigration status is and then we'll see if it's something that qualifies. Yeah. But it is, um, it's important to know if you can figure out what your immigration status is before. We don't have a way to look up what your yeah, immigration yeah, status but, is. Some yeah. people get a little confused about what theirs is, so sometimes just bringing us the card can be helpful. Yeah. Is there a limitation as to when you can uh, seek legal aid for uh, something that was brought against you? So, yeah, I mean, the, the we have income guidelines, so people who um, make too much money to qualify for our free legal services, we have to reject those applications. Um, we also have to just go through the general conflict checks like any attorney, so we find out in any given case who's the opposing party, and we have to get that person's name, and you know, if we've ever had that person as a client in the past, um, there may, you know, we may have to reject the case due to a conflict of interest. That wasn't my question. Oh, oh, sorry. Is there a limitation? Yes. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, we would, if you call with a problem, we would talk to you more about the problem and see if there's anything legally we can do to help. At some point, it might be so long ago that there's nothing legally we can do, but we usually won't know that until we talk to you more about it yeah. and find out the details of what's going on. There's no sort of set rule, as in it has to be in the last five years. Because different types of cases have different statutes and limitations, so like there's so many years you can collect on a judgment, you know, and there's 
So it just sort of depends what the what the issue is, but yeah. Well, there's no outstanding debt. I just like to have the situation uh, resolved. Well, put a blind eye on it. So when I go to get uh, for, to apply for applications for work, they don't see that. You know, I was arrested for stupidity. Yeah, well, that's something to call us about to see if we can help you with it. There's no harm in calling to find out. Yeah. What about Sycamore Mall? Are you? So we're actually in Eastdale Plaza, which is close to the Sycamore Mall, but yeah. um, and we're on the first floor. Um, on the north side. There's a Prism shop, and then there's the like the DOT. The yeah, uh -huh. yeah. No. The inside hasn't been renovated, I think, in a while. <laughs> the outside, they changed the outside look a little bit. Uh, just Katie, we told you Barely. <laughs> the entrances. Oh, that's right. They put those, those wood beams. Things. Yeah. You know Gary from the uh, Iowa Yeah. Is your office close to that? Yes. We're right across the hall. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a good. Any other questions? tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be there. Someone will be there. Can you can walk in, yep. Probably a bring documents. We, we like when people bring documents with them. Then we can see. It always kind of helps to see the papers. Thank right. you. Thank you all so much Thank for being here. Thank you for coming. Here.